TSR Podcast with Jacob and Bo. You are now listening to the TSR Podcast. Bo, we've got another NFL week in the books, man. I can already tell this season is going to go by way too fast. Like, way too fast, and I don't even want to think about it, man. Honestly. Can you believe it's it's week three? That it's week three's ending? I think it took so long for it to get here, and three weeks have gone by in a blink. I think it's because, you know, I'm so excited week to week to watch football. And it just goes, you know, whenever you really enjoy something or you really look forward to something, I feel like it goes by faster, right? I feel like that happens for everybody. So I think it just, it really feels like, it feels like in three weeks we're going to be at the NFL playoffs already. It really, it really does. It does. I mean, people already think the playoffs are being decided right now. (laughs) This game's deciding a big one. This Chiefs Ravens game. This is a big one, Bo. And the Chiefs have looked really, really good in this, in this contest, man. The Ravens, I don't know, man. What was it? They just had about 50 passing yards so far. What beginning the fourth quarter? I mean, yeah, it's, it's way below a hundred yards right now. I mean, and it's honestly, uh, he's had a lot of drops along the way. It's, it's been, it's been a mess and the run game has been working for him. Uh, I just don't think it's been that good that consistent to keep them going and i just don't think they're they're not respecting lamar as a passer at the moment i mean they're committing everything to containment right now absolutely man and i'll tell you this as for the chiefs run it back tour which is what they're calling it they're trying to go back to back with super bowls right now it looks pretty good man i tell you what i did i was one of the people early on that said that the chiefs might be too easy of a pick for the super bowl but boy oh boy are they making it easy let me tell you this though, Bo. I, I want to say something, and you know, I told you that I had a had a little surprise. I want to say to you, yeah, the Steelers, man. Can you tell me where they sit out in the division right now? If this well, game ends the way it looks like it's going to end, if this game ends, they sit on top of it at, okay. at three and zero, and the uh, Ravens will be at two and one, and then yeah, I think the Browns my, will be tied with them. Who was my prediction to win that division, Bo? The, st- the Steelers. The Steelers. Yes, sir. It's, yeah, it's still very early with two it teams left to play against early. the Ravens. They don't see a divisional opponent until like week eight or week yeah. six, week six. I just think the Steelers look good, man. Obviously, you know, it was a tough game. Y'all just played against the Texans. But again, man, y'all pulled it out. And I think it's because of that great defense. I mean, I pr- if I'm not mis- mistaken, I'm pretty sure the Steelers sacked Deshaun Watson five or six times in that game. And, and they're the, they're going to break the, the sack. In the first half, it was only two. So they they drew it up and they drew it up and adjusted. I think what it was was the passing. I mean the rush lanes. I think that the way they're trying to keep him in a certain area. You know what I mean? And and you saw Bud Dupree spying a lot more because T.J. Watt was having his way on his side, Absolutely. and Bud Dupree is the more athletic guy. So if you got T.J. Watt having his way, and then Ala Wiley having his way in the middle and to it and all that, I mean you can let Dupree spy. And I mean you could see. I think they had two first downs the whole second half. Yep. Uh, I think 50 total yards or something like that of offense. I mean, it was Deshaun Watson couldn't breathe. And and I think the man coverage has been something to that has really changed up the Steelers defense. I mean, the, the, the ability to sit back and not worry about busted zone coverages. And when each each man can just check a guy up like you're in the backyard, like I got him. You know what I mean? Yeah, you don't have to sit back and let the play come to you and have to deal with space and all that and, and leverage and angles. It's just like, who do I got? Let me stick on his hip like glue and, and be there. And the Steelers have a lot of guys where that that's better for them than trying to be disciplined in their zone. I agree with that. And, you know, Bo, you brought up a good question, me and you were talking earlier, and you said, 
has the beginning or the way this season has begun to Sean for Deshaun Watson has it affected his MVP possibilities? Yeah, it's a, I mean, that's what it, it's times like this when you're zero and three. I mean, I think it's I think zero and three. What do you it was like a ten percent chance of making the playoffs now? And the yep. MVP is rarely a guy who didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. It, it it normally isn't. And I think my answer to that question is. I don't think Deshaun Watson has done anything himself to hurt himself in the MVP race. It is more what has his organization done that has hampered him done pretty much. <laughs> yeah, let, let me let, let's look at his wide receiving core. You got oh, Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is a good wide receiver. I think everybody knows that. Will Fuller, big play threat, right? When he's on the field. Um, let's look Kiki QT. You know, I mean, it's not really a household name, but he he can do the job. But what it basically is, Bo, it's a, it's a, you know, who's the tight end? I mean, I, I'm gonna be honest with you, Bo. Can you name me the tight Darren end for the Fells. Texans? Darren Fells. Okay. And he is, he is a big matchup problem for teams. I mean, he the is. Steelers specifically. If you stand Darren Fells up next to Devin Bush, that's a problem. And yeah. and and Vince Williams can't keep up with him. And you did see the mismatch stuff happening, like as a problem towards the end. But once the Steelers got, you know, finally got in the game and got up. I mean, they just did a four-man pass rush, and everybody went man-to-man, and it was great. Exactly. You know, extra DB on the field most of the game. So for Watson, for his receiving core, I'll be honest, other than Kiki QT, because he is not a wide receiver, too, his receiving core is made up of wide receiver twos. Yeah. Brandon Cooks isn't a wide receiver. Some some would say it's a bunch of wide receiver threes. Uh, Some people would say that. You could argue Will Fuller is a wide receiver three. Absolutely. Absolutely. You could say that. So I think, obviously, yes, he got David Johnson. This isn't the same David Johnson that he, he was at the Cardinals. Everyone knows yeah. that. Bill O'Brien well, and, is and an this, awful coach. This offensive line, does. I mean, they don't block well in passing or rushing, but they're not leaving holes for David Johnson. I mean, I no, think they're not. They've, they, they've completely, they've, they would rather let Deshaun make up the rushing yards on his own, getting out of the pocket and just throw the ball. You watch or Deshaun use, Watson. Use short passing. Yeah. You watch Deshaun Watson, whenever you watch a game, he's running for his life. He's having to make things out of nothing. And you can't expect a team to be successful like that. We, everyone knows the Texans' weakness on the, in the offense is, or one of the weaknesses is the offensive line. Everyone knows that. Everyone Absolutely. knows that. And, and it's not helping. Deshaun Watson is getting his ass kicked. I mean, that's just yeah. the way you got to put it. I mean, he's getting beat up game in and game out with what has he got to throw to? Wide receiver twos, maybe wide receiver threes. You know, take your pick. It doesn't really matter because yeah. they traded away his number one receiver. He, they yeah. literally traded him away. Bill O'Brien thought that was a good move. That was <laughs> what would be good for the team. Let's What we'll do is we'll trade possibly the, the best wide receiver in the NFL and get David Johnson back, who hasn't been it, healthy, who hasn't been himself in the last two years. That's a fair deal. Let's get it done. Deshaun Watson will thank me later. I mean, and I'm just going to tell you, if the best your offensive line is going to do, kind of touching on your point of like him, Deshaun running for his life and David Johnson hadn't been himself, you know, if you're going to have a guy like David Johnson running for 1.8 yards in average on average, you could have paid some backup. Like, you know, Duke Johnson can do that for you. Duke Johnson can run the ball 1.8 yards a carry. If that's what you're going to do. I don't think that like David Johnson's doing nothing for your offense right now. It's just a, you're just overpaying a guy to be back there and get, and just get a bunch of dump off passes thrown to him. In my opinion, I mean, it's lucky that he got the one TD he did. And I mean, and kudos to, the, to Deshaun Watson. I mean, you say he's running for his life, but I mean, and he was, he was sacked five times, um, but he still was 19 for 27 with two touchdowns. And he did have the pick, but I mean, the pick, he was out of the, 
the pocket running for his life. And I mean, that's what the pass rush is supposed to do, force mistakes. And I mean, it's for a guy to be weird, for a guy to be running for his life and, and having a rough game, 19 for 27 for two TDs could be worse. And that's just the kind of guy you can tell they have there. And I, I you got to feel for that guy. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, week one, David Johnson came out and had a pretty big game, right? People yeah. were like, you know, maybe this trade well, wasn't he, that big yeah. of a deal. It looked maybe. like he was fit for that offense. Yeah, exactly. It looked like it was actually okay, like they're using him the right way. Okay, maybe this is the old David Johnson. But quickly we found out maybe that's not the case. Because I'm going to tell you why he had a big first week, bro. Because no mm-hmm. defensive coordinators knew how to guard him and or <laughs> defend him in, in, a te- in a Texans offense. It was new. It was brand new. So, of yeah. course, David Johnson was able to take advantage of that. Of course, the offensive coordinator for the Texans was able to take advantage of that. But look what's happened now. He's not having these big games anymore. They're starting to figure out how he's being used in that offense. We've always said it, Bo, on this podcast especially, defensive coordinators are the smartest guys in the NFL, and they're the yeah. quickest learners. They're they're gurus. I mean, all of them. I mean, it's and it's because their job is adjusting on the fly all the time. Because offenses are coming, yeah. Offenses, especially today, when everybody's a playmaker. I mean, even like all the way back in our depth chart, down to Ray Ray McLeod, he can bust a big run anytime. Mm-hmm. And he's the bottom. He's 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 probably number forty nine on the depth chart. I mean, on the roster. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. he can turn something in. I mean, nothing into something anytime. And that's what these guys are dealing with. So they got to adjust like that. And they're wizards for it, guy. I mean, these these D, D coordinators these days are obsessed with it. Yeah, it's also upsetting. I'm starting to hear a lot, and you know, I've heard it from multiple people, and you, you were talking to me about one instance this weekend, but I, I'm hearing a lot of talk, and you know, through, again, multiple people, that people are saying DeAndre Hopkins is what made mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson good, right? You know, Deshaun Watson, yeah. look at him now, that D-Hop's gone. Yeah, I, I, I guess people are getting that from the standpoint of, well, when Deshaun Watson wasn't there, D-Hop still got his. Well, of course he did. D-Hop's that talented, though. You know, D-hop I think going to get his. I think that's people who say that. I think that's a fantasy football argument that doesn't necessarily translate to overall success of the team. And I mean, I know they did. I know they did win the division, their division. Like, I think of the last four out of five or three out of five, three out of four years. I mean, they're dominating that division. But I mean, it's it's not all about DeAndre's numbers, winning football games. Their division's been, you know, every year been pretty bad if you oh, think about bad. it. You know, I mean, they're not they're having to win nine games to win the division year in and year out. They don't have to be that good. Yeah. I mean, the Texans, that's a nine and seven team. When you yeah. think about the Texans, I think nine and seven. They, I don't I, I, if you look back, I, I don't I'm probably not going to do it right now on my computer. But if you look back, I don't think that they had to win that division with an 11 win season. Absolutely not. I don't think so. And I they mean, nine or 10 do. is a wild card spot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I, just, I wanted to get that Deshaun Watson talk out of the way because it has really been bothering me. I was texting you the other day, and I was just – I was livid, man, because I do not think Deshaun Watson gets the credit he deserves, and he is such a, a talented player with still a ton of potential, man. He's not reached his ceiling. Deshaun Watson's going to be a great quarterback, and he's already a great young quarterback. So I think it bothers me when you hear people not giving him the credit, you know, saying that you know his wide receiver made him good. Like, that's not the case at all. You know, Deshaun yeah. Watson is good because Deshaun Watson is good. I mean, that that's the case. That, that, the, a lot of people say that Antonio Brown is responsible for a lot of Big Ben's passing numbers. And I just think I think the numbers would be there one way or the other. Oh, yeah. Without, well, without it, been, they're just throwing it around to everybody. If that was the case, I feel like Big Ben would have won a Super Bowl with Antonio Brown instead of without him. 
Yeah. I mean, the Steelers had 230 yards uh, on, on like in the air this week, 237 yards, and it was 50 to Ebron, 40 to Juju, 40 to James Conner, almost 40 to Washington, 35 to McDonald, 30 yards to Claypool. I mean, I mean, the whole team gets involved. Yeah. Yeah, the whole team's getting involved, and Big Ben is he's he's spreading the ball out well, which yeah. makes it harder. Good, for good, good quarterbacks can do that. Deshaun's Absolutely. doing the same thing. Deshaun is doing the exact. If, same if you thing. look, I mean, Texans had Texans had three guys that were thirty or forty yards. I mean, they're all getting in, getting the ball. Yeah, I just think again, this is the last thing I'm gonna say about Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is working with pretty much a um, arsenal of big play threats. There's no possession receiver on that field for him. Yeah, none of those guys are possession guys. They just mm-hmm. aren't. They, they just are not, and I don't think. I mean, name me another guy in the NFL that that who deals only with with big play threats as his receivers so, and is extremely successful. I don't who, know of any. I don't know of any either. And who do you think's the highest paid receiver on the team? Is it Cobb or Cooks? I would have to say it's Cooks. <laughs> Probably David Johnson, to be honest. But <laughs> yeah, it's definitely yeah. David Johnson yeah, now. Yeah, he, he's the highest paid other than Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I would just, say it's it's Brandon Cooks because Brandon Cooks, his name holds more value. It's a high, bigger name guy. Your, your highest paid receiver went for three catches and twenty three yards this week. Then, yep. That's not that's not the best. It's not good. Bill O'Brien needs to leave. He needs <laughs> yeah. to be gone. We've known that. Ever since the trade. It, it was before the trade, but then the trade just sealed the deal. I mean, it was just it's horrible. Just horrible. Isn't he like their player personnel person? He is. Oh, gosh. It's bad. It's really bad. Um, but anyway, guys, we're going to get down into a lot of stuff about week three, what we've seen through the past three weeks of NFL football, what our biggest takeaways are, just like we did last week. Um, this week, one of my biggest takeaways, Bo, is where is DeAndre Swift in this Detroit Lions offense. I want you to answer me this, Bo. Why has DeAndre Swift only carried the ball eight times in three games when you spent a high, high second-round pick on him? It doesn't make much sense to me at all. There's no explanation because it doesn't make sense. Wasn't he the first pick of the second round or something like that? Third or second pick, pick, pick third, pick? third yeah. pick of the second round. They spent a second round pick on him, but the team won't use him. I have a major issue with teams that draft players and they rarely get them involved. Like I understand, just yeah, feeding Adrian Peterson. They are feeding him. Adrian Peterson's playing great, and I'm happy to see that. I'm extremely happy to see Adrian Peterson doing well after Washington moved on from him. But my problem is. DeAndre Swift, like, you know, yeah, he had a huge drop week one. He dropped pretty much the game. That was, that, that, it wasn't pretty much. It was the it game. It was the game way touchdown. touchdown. 100%. But yeah. he's a rookie. It was week one without, with a shortened off. And he, he saw touchdowns before put hands on ball. You know, get the guy the ball and see what he can do for the offense. It makes no sense. I mean, has Matt Patricia really already put him in the doghouse because of a mistake he made in week one. Is is that what we're seeing? Is he in Patricia's doghouse because he made a mistake as a rookie and now you're just not going to give the guy the chance? I, I don't get it. I do not understand why even draft the guy if you were going to – and again, you know, if they thought Adrian Peterson was a guy they need to bring in there, fine. Yeah, it looks like it's worked out fine. But get this guy involved. I will argue till I'm blue in the face that DeAndre Swift is a more dynamic playmaker than any of those other backs in the – in the Detroit backfield, I don't understand. And it's it's crazy that you're gonna. I mean, you're one. You're gonna give Adrian Peterson at his age 22 carries, but you're gonna give Carry on Johnson three carries and not and not give any, not give any DeAndre Swift. Why spend a second that. round pick 
I'm pretty sure Carrion was the third round pick. But why spend a second and a third round pick on Carrion Johnson and DeAndre Swift to then not use either one of them and bring in, what is he, 35 now, 34? Yeah. Why would you bring in a mid 30 year old running back in Adrian Peterson and get him to carry the load? And so, what? and what you, and when you, I'm sorry to interrupt you. When you, when you look into Adrian's load too, Jacob, when you look at it, he hit 75 yards on the ground, 22 carries, but his long was 27. So you got to think about it. A third of his yards were on one run, and he carried it 22 times. He's not. Adrian Peterson is playing well, and it's because he's getting volume. But, I mean, he's not exactly, you know, churning up the yardage. What bothers me a lot about it is that Adrian Peterson, as talented as he is, does not pose much of a threat to defenses in the receiving mm-hmm. aspect. Right. And you have a guy in Carrion Johnson who was solid coming out of Auburn at receiving, a good receiving back. And then you have an even better one coming out of Georgia, right? And you just, you're not using these guys? Like, I, I, it just make, it, it makes no sense. I, can, I, I, know I'm just, I know I just keep saying it makes no sense because I have no explanation for it. I don't know what Matt Patricia is doing. And to be honest with you, there's a, there's a lot of coaches that look like they're probably about to – to get pushed out that, you know, whether it be Dan Quinn, whether it be Adam Gase, whether it be Matt Patricia, I feel like these experiments, Dan Quinn is more of an outlier, but for the other two, Matt Patricia has really done nothing to make the lines any better. I I think Matt Patricia will be a fantastic. They're, they're worse. Supporter. They're worse than they were under Caldwell. Yeah. Their yeah, record is worse. Are. They absolutely are. Their record is worse. Patricia would be a fantastic defensive coordinator somewhere, but not a head coach. Well, and it just shows, like you said, like there, he's afraid to. It, it seems like he's afraid to give the ball to DeAndre Swift. Like that. Like I don't. I don't know why to trust him to carry the ball. I don't. I don't understand why he should have more carries in a game like this with his with his draft selection, like you said. But that sh- I think that shows his coaching novice i mean you watch you watch guys like even shoot mike Vrabel watched his kicker have a horrible game and just stuck by him and look at what he did tennessee turned around and goskowski had a huge game for them sometimes the coach has to put the ball back in that guy's hands in some way and instill some confidence in that guy don't you think it's hurting deandre swift probably mentally that he's not getting any work from his coach after one mistake in the first week of the of the year as if it didn't hurt his confidence enough to drop that pass. Now your coach, now your coach, you yeah, your chance. coach is turning his back on you when your only catch went for 19 yards and you got two targets. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. Two targets and you can make you can make 19 yards happen. The fact, unless there, I just hope there's an underlying injury. Obviously, I don't hope there's an injury, but I hope that the explanation for why DeAndre Swift did not even get a look in the the third game of the season is that mm-hmm. there is an injury that we don't know about. Because is he if, prone to anything? No, he's not. He doesn't have any old lingering hamstrings or anything? Like, what no. What could it be? I mean... I, I, don't, I think it's just... I think he he hurt the confidence of Patricia dropping that pass. And I get it. Yeah, but he again, he was a rookie. It's it was one week play, one. Man. And it was an awful offseason to be a rookie. Like, cut the guy some slack. Get him on the field. You took him high for a reason. You know what he's capable of. Uh, and to touch to your point, I mean, how many carries do you think he missed out on in the preseason and training camp? Hundreds, oh. hundreds, hundreds, catches and carries. He he missed out on hundreds of reps and touches. Hundreds. I think it was. I don't know if it was Belichick or one NFL coach said that there's like the these players missed out on about 400 reps that they get on in their playbook than they normally would. 
400. Yeah. So you have, I mean, people don't understand what 40 reps in football can do for a player. Mm-hmm. Okay, and how, what that, how far being on the field during a play goes for a football player is extremely hard to understand. Seeing it at game speed, or at least a simulation of game speed, even like three-quarter speed or a walkthrough, having a man in front of you helps so much teaching. There's only so much you can do on an iPad. It's like these kids in Zoom class today. What makes it the most upsetting? It's not like, again, it's, it's not like this guy was a, was a six-rounder. DeAndre Swift was an early second round pick, and debatably, I think he should be getting the majority of the carries. Carryon Johnson's been solid. I, I, you know, I think he's a he's a solid running back. Okay, but DeAndre Swift was drafted for a reason. Clearly, if Carryon Johnson was the answer, we wouldn't have drafted DeAndre Swift in the second round. If you felt so comfortable with Carryon Johnson, you wouldn't have drafted DeAndre Swift. I mean, that's just that's just black and white. I mean, why why spend a second round pick when you could spend it on something else if Carrion Johnson is the guy? So you bring uh, yeah. this guy in. It makes sense. I, I, it makes no sense. DeAndre Swift should be leading that backfield in touches because he is a dynamic playmaker and everyone knows that. But apparently everyone except Matt Patricia. I just got an issue with it, man. I I I, I had to touch on it. That that was the first thing I thought about. It's the number one takeaway I saw this week. It, it, it was awful. But let's move on to something that's making me happy, bro. Let's move on to something that I can smile yeah, about. Yeah, because it sounds and like, it sounds I, like I, you're I get, upset for your Georgia boy. It, it is. It's something about my Georgia boy, but it's also just dumb coaching, and I, I just it, it just bothers me. But let me let me talk about this. Bro, this Russell Wilson is on a mission. That That is the only way I can put it. I love how Wilson is playing, and he's making my Super Bowl prediction and MVP pr- prediction look pretty damn good right now, bro. I'm so happy. Well, yeah, your MVP prediction looks like the more solid one, but you're right. You're, they both look pretty pretty solid. Russell Wilson has officially broken Patrick Mahomes' NFL record for most touchdown passes in his first three games with 14 touchdown passes in three games. Three. Three, bro. His numbers through three games are 79 of 103 for his completions out of attempts, 925 yards, 14 touchdowns to one interception, 139 passer rating, and he's led his team to be 3-0. Respectively, he's fourth in passing yards, number one in touchdown to interception ratio, and number one in passer rating in the league right now. It's crazy. He's he's tearing it up. The man is on another level. He might, Bo, he might throw the prettiest deep ball ever. For sure, best in the league. Like, I'm saying it's 100% for sure best in the league. But I'm talking historic beauty, Bo. I'm saying this is historic <laughs> beauty on these downfield passes. It, it is. I love watching. And you even brought it up last week, man, talking about his throws to Chris Carson and his throws to DK. I mean, it's just, it's like poetry. It's, it's like the, it's the arc he gets on it. It it's does. Like that, he, that ball has some arc. The ball goes up and then it comes down at like a, like the, it's almost like the ball is dropping in completely vertical. Like it just falls like perfectly. Down. It's almost like a punt. Like it's just slide into the like, bread basket. Yeah, dude, right it down. just falls right in their hands. And it's, I don't, even Pat Mahomes might be the only other person that's, that's dropping them in that well right now. And it's, it's one of the most, I think it's one of the more mind blowing things to watch is, is, is Russell Wilson, whether it's, 15 yard dump over the top of a, like a linebacker's head to a tight end, or it's a 50 yard drop into DK or Tyler Lockett. And by the way, Tyler Lockett is absolutely balling right now. Yes. And it's, yeah, way to go for the Seahawks for sticking to Tyler Lockett as well. Oh, man. Um, Hasn't it paid yeah. off? 
It has. I mean, it it really has. And then to bring in the compliment like DK, it's just it, you know we won't go down that rabbit hole, but it's great. And I just it's the way the ball flies when he lets go of it. It's just the way it drops in. You, it's hard for these guys to one just pinpoint where to put their arm to make a deflection. It's so hard to defend. It's yeah. unbelievably hard to defend. You know, it doesn't but, come in over the DB's shoulder as much. It comes in over his no, head. No, exactly. It does. It does. Good point. Good point. By the way, you just brought up DK Metcalf. Yeah. He is on pace to have 64 receptions, 1,600 yards, and 16 touchdowns. Jeez. And what what was he, a fifth rounder? He was a fifth rounder. Yes, sir. That's I just, believe. I could be wrong. Uh, man. I mean, talk about talk – about, uh, a, a whiff by a lot of teams on a lot of picks. Hey man, you know if if only if only he could run more than the and, goal. and he is taking a step this year. Don't you agree? Oh, oh, it's incredible. I mean, now we'll say this: he he made the the what do they call it? Or the come on the come on man play of the week when he mm-hmm. caught the easy touchdown and was trying to show off going to the end yeah, zone. That's pretty awful. And, and Trevon Diggs, we loved him coming in. Made an awesome, awesome hustle play to knock mm-hmm. the ball out for a touchback. Yeah, he's taken a major leap. It's it's been a lot of fun to watch, man. And I think I'll be honest with you, just those two guys, the fact that AJ Brown and DK Metcalf were on the same team at Ole Miss, I mean, come on, man. Both yeah. of them are terrific young receivers. <laughs> isn't, it it, crazy? isn't it crazy that Ole Miss wasn't even that great during those years either? Oh, they were awful. It's just it's just wild. They had they had another Khalil Hodge who was another good receiver. Yeah, I mean that that receiving core was really good. And that's what I kind of was touching on when we were talking before the podcast is how much of a how much more the rest of the team matters in college, like the level of talent you have than it like oh, the it NFL. Does. You really need that QB to keep it you really as a contender. Does. But in college, as long as you got these these playmakers, once they get space, the QB doesn't really have to do anything. So I have a bold statement to make, and Ooh. I know I make a lot of them. Love them. But I want you to hear hear it out. Okay. I know we've got the Chiefs and the Ravens. Now, obviously, the Ravens didn't look fantastic tonight. Obviously, we were, we were both watching Monday Night Football. But I know we've got both those two teams. And you can call me crazy, Bo, but I think the Seahawks might be the best team in the NFL right now from a how-they're-playing standpoint. I'm, I think I, – I don't disagree with that, that take. Uh, I think, you know, if the Super Bowl is tomorrow, they probably – they might be the favorites, but – the, the way the Chiefs look tonight, man, I will not be surprised. They're gonna, they're probably gonna open up the morning as number one on everybody's power rankings. Oh, of course they will. By putting a, by will. putting this beating down on 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 the Ravens, because yeah. I mean the the Seahawks did play a close one against Dallas, and I I was a firm believer the Ravens were a better team than Dallas before going into this these games. Well, you know, and you said you were just talking to me about this, Bo, saying that, you know, like you just said with college, it, it, it's a lot more team, a more team aspect, right? Yeah, Everybody your playmakers can involved. do more with less space. Exactly. But what college. did you say also? You said, you know, the quarterback, if you have a better quarterback in an NFL matchup, mm-hmm. it means more. Well, you Huge. just said Chiefs will be number one in the power rankings. Well, rightfully so, because they have the best quarterback in the NFL in Patrick Mahomes. You know, yeah. Russell Wilson can have a career year all he wants to, but no one is going to sit here, at least I hope, no one is going to sit here and say, well, Russell Wilson is better than Patrick Mahomes, because that's just not true. It's 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 just not true. It really isn't. From from a from a standpoint of what they can do and what they have done, Mahomes is clearly better. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, he's Mahomes has done everything that you, a player would like to do in his career other than make the Hall of Fame. He's yeah. got a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl MVP, and an MVP. Let now, me say this. All, all he has to do is go to the Hall of Fame. If he went back-to-back this year and he retired before next season— Would he be a Hall of Famer? He might be. He might be. He Close. might be. He might be. And that, that's what's crazy about Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's, if not, he will be the best player to ever— not be not be a hall of famer and that's i mean i'm I'm sure he'd sleep just fine (laughs) being a being a super bowl back-to-back super bowl champion most likely back-to-back mvp you know and uh mvp of the super bowl i mean not necessarily the season because it's really hard to win back-to-back like season-long mvps it's really tough but if if he goes to another 400 yards and four tds like he is right now he's gonna be the mvp this year but you know he's gonna he's gonna be in that talk after tonight. It's fantastic watching him play. He's only got ten incompletions tonight. He's thirty for forty. He's torching it, man. I mean, the Chiefs almost have thirty points at half. Yeah, well, on the Ravens. Yeah, I mean they're they're at, they haven't scored much in the second half, but they don't really have to. No, they don't. It's impressive because you know we all know how well put together and how talented that whole Ravens team is, and to watch the Chiefs just kind of do whatever they want to do. It's just, it's unreal. It shows yeah, you how talented. The little shovel pass to the fullback was really cool. It was, it was nice. Uh, that's we, one of the most fun plays I've. I think that's the most fun play I've seen this year. Yeah, that like was design, that was a really play good design. Play. Really good play. Bo, next, this is another thing that I'm probably going to rant on, but I talked about it last week. I touched on it at least. I cannot watch the New York Jets anymore. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't watch. I don't want to see them. On my TV screen. If I can do anything to not let it happen, I will. Because Bad. it is now, I don't even know if you know this, but it has now come out that if the Jets lose Thursday to the Broncos, Gase is gone. They came out and said, if they lose to the Broncos this Thursday night, Adam Gase will be fired. I don't mean to interrupt, but what kind of franchise just puts that out? It's unreal, isn't it? That's just, that's so stupid. It's a very amateur way to go about things. Yeah, the whole the whole thing. It's not going to make him coach better or the players play better. No, it's not. It's not. No. It just puts more called, pressure on the on the team. Called a distraction. <laughs> it, it just puts more pressure on the team, and and you know players are going to you know that if I was a player for the Jets, and I heard that if if we lost, my coach was getting fired, and we lost, I'd feel like it was completely my fault. Like yeah, you mean, can't, you don't come with, out and say something like that. Especially when your quarterback's coming off a game with a forty-seven quarterback rating. What what on earth? How much more confidence is that going to instill in him? No, it's, just it's pressure. That. Now I'm going to say this: Adam Gase should not be given any more time. Change it up, no, please. Fire. Do something. Yeah, the the experiment has got to be over. Yeah. And you know there already has well, been a protest to get Gase fired okay. that started up last week. If the Jets get the first overall pick, do you think it's Trevor Lawrence season for them? I mean, is that what they need? Okay, so... Are they a trade-back team? What do you think? I I have a very strong standpoint on this. Mm -hmm. They can think that Trevor Lawrence is what they need all they want, but let me be the first one to say this. No matter who the quarterback is, there is no one on that offense that scares you. No one that can consistently make plays. A quarterback that is on that team will struggle regardless of what their name is. It does not matter. It absolutely does not matter. Let's think about it. For me, I don't think Darnold is the problem. Darnold doesn't have anything to work with at wide receiver. Oh, you, okay, you got Brax, Braxton Berrios. Oh, Jameis the Crowder. Oh, Chris Hogan. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you know D coordinators 
D coordinators can't sleep at night because they know <laughs> they got to go up against that. You know, yeah, I'm Kalen, sure they're just Kalen sweating. Kalen Milaj is going to be tough to design. Uh, I mean, I don't know how to I don't know how to stop something that high powered. I mean, my God, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it's 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 so it, the the roster from top to bottom is awful. Truly, it is. It is such a bad roster. It, it, they're so bad, it's almost sad. It, it, I mean, it's not almost sad, Jacob. It's sad. It is sad. It is sad. You know. I, what I say is, you know, you've got, yeah, Braxton Barrios has done fine. Yeah, I understand. But yeah, you're also having to feed him, and that should never be the case. You should never have to feed Braxton Barrios. That's when you know you're in trouble, when you're having to feed that guy. Okay? Again, no no disrespect to Braxton Barrios. You know, I think he does a fine job. But again, he is not a guy you need to be feeding. I think, you know, they got, they took undrafted Lawrence Cager. Again, out of Georgia. I'm not playing biased here. Lawrence Cager was a good college wide receiver at he both Miami and Georgia. Plays. Them, but it didn't help. I mean, they were already out of the exactly. game. Cager needs to be involved, and they need to involve Kalen Balage more. They need to involve him more because he's a little change of pace, right? He's a little bit electric. It's fun to watch him on the field. You know, that's all I could say for the offense. Her, he's, yeah, like, he's given them the receiving touch that I guess Bell exactly. was supposed to give them. Exactly. Um, you know, Herndon, Chris Herndon is good, but can barely stay on the field. You know, it, it's it's well, he's not no a, star. It's it's just. I don't think Darnold is the, is the issue. The organization is the problem. They, they definitely missed the big play factor from Robbie Anderson. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You at least had oh. to respect his deep ball game when oh. he had Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson, by the way, kudos to him, man, because he has played fantastic for the Panthers. I've yeah. loved every minute of watching him play in, in that blue. I, yeah. I, I've loved it. It's been a lot of fun to watch Robbie Anderson He's in Carolina. a fun game. Oh, it's a really fun game. There's really not much fun. hiding in his game. He knows that he's coming at you with the speed, and you're not going to catch him. Yeah, which is impressive because he still does well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Man, he has elite speed. He really does. I, I think he's like what you always thought like Marquise Goodwin was going to be like with his speed, but he like can never be on the field long. Yeah, though. yeah. He he's a bigger Marquise Goodwin. That's yeah. a really good point. And it's just like the speed. Like he is no secret. He's going to torch you here. But like one of them is actually going to be be a finisher. And at least Robbie Anderson's a finisher. When yeah. it comes to the deep ball. So I guess to answer your question, Bo, yeah, they probably are going to go Trevor Lawrence, yeah. right? But you cannot expect Trevor they Lawrence. Tra- they could trade back for so much, oh, Jacob. They, they could. They could, man. They really could. And again, uh, I, I, I think they're going to move on from Sam Darnold. I think they are. But I, I don't think he's the whole problem. I, I watched a couple of plays this past Sunday where Sam Darnold, I mean, running for his life. Like, it was just I mean, it looked like he was just having a meltdown out there and was still able to throw good passes and make something happen. One for a touchdown, which was an amazing throw. I don't know even know how he got out of the pocket, but he scrambled out to the right side, threw it off balance into the end zone. I mean, yeah. it was a beautiful cross his body or something. Right? Cross his body, yeah. It was a beautiful, yeah. beautiful throw, man. Yeah. You know, there's actually people writing, writing articles about why the Steelers need to be inquiring on Sam Darnold after the season. So I was almost mad when I saw it. But if if Sam Darnold went there and was able to like sit behind Big Ben, and I, God, it would do so much for him to be in a Mike Tomlin, you know, run or, or Just run. To see to, how Ben and Randy Finkner prep a game. Finkner's oh, been with be, Ben since it would like mean 2006. The it would mean the absolute world, man. Yeah, dude. Like they they plan everything out together. Like the game plan is Ben and Finkner. It's not Tomlin. Like, and I don't think like Sam Darnold's never seen preparation like that you know if people are here are going to sit here and say okay sam Darnold is the issue that means hypothetically you were telling me that if he had gone to 
the Steelers, to, to a well-run organization like the Steelers, they mm-hmm. actually have some semblance of an idea how to run a football team. Yeah. You're telling me this guy would have done the same thing? Like, no, I don't believe it. I do I, not believe he, it. You I can't think he'd be a better. That. He'd be off to a much better start. I mean, Mason Rudolph and, and Doug Hodges were one win from getting this team to the playoffs. I mean, imagine if Sam if Darnold Sam Darnold would have, Darnold would have made this team an eleven win football team last year. Make no mistake. It's it's bad, man. I, I just hate and you know again clearly people can see that I can't stand. Um, you know, I don't like to call it a stereotype, but what when people make it out to be something that's not, you know, they make it out to be Deshaun Watson's fault. They make it out to be uh, Sam Darnold's fault. OK, yeah. But look at the Look at the the coaching. These two guys have to deal with Bill O'Brien and Adam Gates, who are pretty much both known to be one of the bottom three coaches in the NFL. Absolutely. It, it's like it, these guys have something in similar, some, something similar going on. I mean, come on. Like, there, there's they're, a reason they're, these guys they're are They're probably the top two on the hot seat other than Dan Quinn right now. And think about, think about you know, we talked about DeAndre Hopkins, you know, being shown the door, right, from the Texans, who was Deshaun Watson's number one target. Well, same thing that happened in New York. New York wasn't going to pay Robbie Anderson, who was Sam Darnold's number one target. I don't know, man. I, I think the Jets have so many issues going on right now. You don't even know which ones are the, of the most important. And for yeah. some reason, they think quarterback is. You know, so be it then. Go get Trevor Lawrence. But when you get Trevor Lawrence in this offense, that is horrible. It has the worst personnel. It, it is a massive personnel in- issue on that team. And you're telling me that Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to somehow come in here and have these guys to throw to and sit behind that offensive line and have that play calling, you're telling me that Trevor Lawrence is then going to be able to turn around the Jets? I don't believe it, and it will not happen. It absolutely will not happen. Uh, so I, I can't watch the Jets anymore, man. We'll see what they do you know, in the next offseason, but I, I, I can't, I can't stand you know, watching them anymore. I kind of want to turn switch gears and talk about the Chicago Bears right now. And, and they're 3-0, and Jacob. And I, if you not. had I, nobody, I don't think nobody would have predicted that. Nobody. Nobody would have. No. I, I don't I don't I don't I firmly do not think anyone would have predicted three and I just think I would I would have probably picked 0 and three. Ah, I probably would have had them win one game, but they wouldn't be they wouldn't be have a winning record right now. No. Yeah. They I, would mean, not I, I mean and 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 Foles stepping in yesterday was impressive. It really was. I mean and well, to to be able to at least have like your floor with those two at least isn't too bad. Yeah, well, you know, the Nick Foles era in Chicago has begun, though. You know, it was only a matter of time, everyone. And three weeks into the season, here we are. You know, here we are. You know, me and Bo said it was going to happen. Mitch Trubisky, I I remember Bo himself saying, first bad game Mitch Trubisky has, he's going to throw two picks or so. He's going to throw like a really dumb interception or a couple of interceptions, and Nick Mm -hmm. Foles is going to come right in. And Bo, right when he came in, I thought, what happened? He came right in. Mitch Trubisky looked like he had no idea what was going on. He could not believe this was happening. And he only you had know? one pick. It's just a lot of incompletions. It was all he, he, he could not move them down the field at all. Like, I think it was like fifty percent like completion rate at that point. It was just ugly, and the game wasn't. They had to come back if they want a chance to win, and they made the right decision. I mean, listen to this story, man. As if Nick Foles' story hasn't been weird enough. The whole thing where he goes from backup to Super Bowl MVP and wins the Super Bowl, and then he goes to another team where he has to battle a number one overall pick or excuse me, no, a number two overall pick, and you're telling me that then the number two overall pick gets pulled and all he did was come back and lead the Bears all the way back to win the game. I mean, this guy 
in terms of clutch, I mean, this guy's up there, yeah. bro. I mean, yeah. in clutch stories, I mean, come on. How about him getting Jimmy Graham involved? Oh, man. It was nice six, to see, six, wasn't it? Six catches, nine targets. I mean, that's, 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 people aren't really giving Jimmy Graham that these days. I mean, it'd be really cool to see him jump back in the mix as a formidable tight end. He also made Anthony Miller look like a legitimate wide receiver one. I'm pretty Anthony excited Miller's about a that. He's a good wide receiver. I've always said he was my number one wide receiver in that draft class over Calvin Ridley. Now, okay, maybe it doesn't look like that. Like I was right about that right now. But give it time, guys. Give it time. Nick Foles has magic touch. Magic touch. So yeah. let, let's see what he's able to pull out. Ridley um, went off again, by the way, in the same in the game against the did. Falcons. He did, man. Yeah, he did. five for 110. Yeah, he, he went off again. And, you know, I was wondering, too, Bo, Mitch Trubisky was not targeting Allen Robinson, right? And I'm super high on Allen Robinson, and you know yeah. that. And Nick Foles comes into the game, and my guy goes for 10 receptions, 110 yards, like a touchdown. I mean, he made Allen Robinson look like the Allen Robinson we all know. You got to feed him. You got to feed the guy. He's too talented not to feed him. He's that possession receiver that you were mentioning earlier that other teams are lacking. Exactly. Exactly. And Nick Foles knew it. Yeah. Anthony Miller's a good wide receiver. I mean, his, his stat line shows you exactly what you're getting out of him. You, you throw it to him 13 times, he catches 10. That's pretty good. And he's getting a 12-yard average. I mean, he may not be taking it over for 20 yards a catch, taking it over the top, but you're getting a first down almost every time he touches the football. Well, what yeah. else do you need from a guy? I mean, he he led the way Sunday. He went 16-29 yeah. for 188 yards and three touchdowns. He had the longest the TD of the day, too. He did. I mean, this man's job should be pretty secure from here on out, to be honest. I mean, they're going to pay him. Oh, they're going to pay him. For sure, they're going to pay him. I mean, think about it. That Bears offense looked like a completely different offense once Foles Foles stepped in. Mm -hmm. Did it not? I mean, the the offense looked pretty, I mean, almost lethal. It looked like a good offense. I mean, Nick Foles just made that offense reach its heights. That's literally what happened. I mean, I'm loving it right now. And good for the Bears defense for not letting Atlanta score in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I mean, that defense is talented. I mean, mm-hmm. Everybody knows how talented, you know, they have a lot of talented pieces on that that defense. And, you know, Bo, what did I tell you on this podcast months ago when we were discussing where, you know, Nick Foles was headed? I told you that I thought the best fit was in Chicago, and now we can see why. Yeah, he's got I'm targets. So he's got he's got things that he's got players. I think, it'll, I think the guys he has to work with looks a lot like the Philly roster he was successful with. Yeah, yeah, it does, does it not? It, it does. really does. It does. Yep. And, you know, I'm not going to be a fool here, Bo. But, okay, so I'm not going to call the Bears contenders because they're not. They're just 100% not. But this team with Foles at the helm is a sneaky, dangerous one. This is the type of team, Bo, that a team that is looking to make a playoff run, this is the type of team that can end that fun for them. How do you think Kyle Long feels after retiring? Oh, man. And they're 3-0. and <laughs> <laughs> It's about – he – uh. Probably some mixed emotions there, man. Probably some happy but mad at the same time. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd be a little bit, a little bit upset. I mean, are you? Do you think? Do you think David Montgomery can 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 carry the load with Tariq Cohen going down? So I loved David Montgomery coming out of Iowa State. I thought he was a really, really talented uh, running back. David Montgomery hasn't shown us, you know, what we all wanted to see from him. Um, But I think he can. It just doesn't look like he's ever gotten comfortable. It looks like he has never gotten comfortable in the offense. He's never been able to get, you know, get in his zone. And uh, he was never, he's never been able to be feeling it. So I, I think he can. I, is, 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 if the question is, can he? Yes. Will he? I don't know. 
I mean, it, the, it's kind of crazy that they're working in Corderell Patterson with these carries also. Yeah, it's, it's, he had it's four kind of carries. Fun. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I know he did. So, I don't know, man. I like the Bears offense. I think Nick Foles has made them kind of dangerous, and I think they're going to be a lot more fun to watch now. You know, yeah. and I think they're 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 a much better offense with him. So I, I would say look out for the Bears, not as a contender, but as a as a dangerous team that can uh, ruin some seasons for some other yeah. teams. Um, Bo, talking about a guy who just came out of nowhere and showed up, not really out of nowhere, but he hadn't done it yet. We were all waiting. Justin Jefferson, man. Yeah, Justin Jefferson had a huge game. Thank God, a huge game. I remember you texted me and you were like, Jefferson is popping off. Dude, was, I was so happy. I was like, this is the guy I preached about the whole offseason. I yeah. love his game. And he and he he showed what it was was he brings that that big playability. And they they need to figure out how to continuously get him going over the top like that. That's yeah, what they're well, missing. You know, we knew the potential this guy had coming out of LSU and he's finally showing it off. Yeah. You know, and what was impressive to me, Bo, is we've talked about it before, you know. Justin Jefferson primarily worked out the slot at LSU. That's where he was most dangerous. But, mm-hmm. I mean, Sunday he was doing it out of the slot. He was doing it on the outside. I mean, he was doing it from everywhere. I mean, he looked like a fantastic receiver. He looked like a wide receiver one. Expect him to be getting a lot of target. I'm saying this guy should be targeted eight or nine times a game. He, now. he was targeted almost twice as much as the next player on his team. Yeah, he's which is get, interesting. He's going to get the volume. It's interesting because in week two, he was targeted twice. Yeah, I mean, and they're run first. I mean, you got to think, he got nine targets. Dalvin Cook got 22 carries. Madison got eight. I mean, Madison yeah. almost had as many carries as he had targets. I also forgot, you know, in week two, um, Kirk Cousins pretty much forgot how to throw a football. So that probably didn't help out <laughs> him the targets, right? <laughs> you know? So, so you know, it's definitely helping that Kirk Cousins has finally remembered that he does play quarterback in the NFL and needs to – Kind of act like he knows what he's doing. Um, but, but, dude, Jefferson, he torched the Tennessee secondary, catching seven of his nine targets for 175 yards and a touchdown. And listen up, gang. Justin Jefferson is the first Vikings rookie with 100 receiving yards and a half since Randy Moss on November 26th, 1998, wow. against the Cowboys. Hmm. Also, his six catches in the first half are the most by a Vikings rookie since Randy Moss had seven in the first half of Week 14, 1998 versus Chicago. Cool stat. It's the numbers you know, Bo. It's the numbers you, you know. Numbers don't lie on that end. They do not lie, man. They do not lie. I mean, that's big time, man. Let's all remember that Bo and myself both had Justin Jefferson mocked to Philadelphia before the draft. Philly could really use they, that right now. Yes, they could. <laughs> like they, they, with with Rieger off the field. Ugh. Oh, I mean, the Vikings, put up, the Vikings put up 30. The Vikings put up 30 every week. They're not going to keep losing games every week. That's just a fact. Like, they ran into a good Tennessee team, and they let Derrick Henry run up the yardage. I mean, that's that's their own fault. You know what I mean? But if they score, keep scoring 30, there's not going to be that many teams that can score 30 with them. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree with you. But I want to talk about somebody that you were high on. And maybe I just was not high enough. Mm. That guy is Josh Allen. Woo! Josh Allen has the Bills stock soaring right now. I love, I love Josh Allen. I think he is uh, he is the closest thing I think we've seen to a guy to like a Big Ben since since Big Ben came in. Like the way just the style. Just a oh. big, tough guy, hard to bring down, big arm. I mean, he—he's that. I would—I'd pay good money. I would love to have him as a Steeler. It upsets me. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, Josh Allen, I mean, they cut it about as close as you could cut it Sunday. But Mm -hmm. he has the Bills rolling right now, man. He still showed the leadership and poise to pull out that win, too. That was huge. I mean, some of the throws he was making was stuff that you just can't teach. You don't teach stuff like that. His arm is elite. That's about the only way to put it. You know, he made some unbelievable throws, a couple of nice sidearms, Bo, that it almost just looked like he was showing off at times. Like, hey, I'm better than you. You You can't defend this. Well, I mean, he, it was he is he is exponentially better than golf. Oh my God! Don't I mean? <laughs> oh, I mean that's 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 just become obvious at this point. I mean that yeah. I, I have my own feelings towards Jared Goff um, as a quarterback. I think Jared Goff is a system quarterback. He does what Sean McVay, you know, um, sets up for him. That's Jared Goff to me. Josh Allen, Josh Allen is is at this point probably a top ten quarterback in the NFL. I, I mean, I mean like. Cement. Yeah, this year. I'm not, at saying, least. I'm not saying he's just already worked season. his way in it. I'm saying based off what he is able to do from a physical standpoint, and now he's also doing from a mental standpoint, he's a top ten quarterback. I mean, it, it is fantastic to watch that guy play football, uh, Bo. And I mean, let me let me let me tell you this: his 2020 stats this season, he has a thousand passing yards, ten touchdowns, no interceptions, 84 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, and a 126.7 passer rating. I mean that is that is stuff that's good stuff right he there. He has a pick. He doesn't have a pick. I'm looking at it right now. He has a pick. Does he have a pick? Maybe I yeah. read it wrong. So he's I'm ten. He's right ten. Now. So he's a ten to one touchdown mm-hmm. interception ratio. He's still just absolutely lighting it up. I mean, yeah, you know, it's, that doesn't change anything. Yeah, it, re- it really doesn't. It's, I, mean, I mean, he's he's getting he got sacked more than the opposing quarterback and outplayed him. I mean, he just doesn't care. He's fearless. You know, bro, the the Bills were my pick to win the division, and so far that prediction looks pretty damn good. You know, what makes uh-huh. this offense so good right now is the way Allen is spreading the ball around. Everyone is so involved, and then you throw in the fact that not only do they have solid pieces at running back, but Allen himself is hard to contain and, you know, can easily use his legs to hurt you. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, he's got rushing so touchdowns at back-to-back games, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He does. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a, he's a linebacker. He's a bruiser. This is, this is, this is a guy that's kind of like Cam Newton. I mean, he doesn't run around you. That's not Josh Allen's guy. He's going to run through you. He you're wants feel, to play that way. Yeah, you're going to feel him. It's, it, you're going to feel something when you tackle Josh Allen. And, and, and it's just so much he, fun to watch. He did have a fumble with that pick that they got. That they lost to the other team uh, in that game. And I don't think the Rams, I don't remember if they converted on that. But, I mean, you're not going to get away with two turnovers against a better team than the Rams. Mm-hmm. So there's something to work on. I mean, ball security is huge, and he's not one of these small hand guys where his, you know, his hand size is big enough to hold it. He just needs to be more aware when the rush is on him. And if you, 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 sure, you sure that up, and, I mean, they're, they're going far. Yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. I mean, you add in the fact that the, the Bills defense is stout and playing great ball. I mean, Buffalo has good stuff happening right now, and fans should be loving every bit of it. This is the year. This is the year the Bills win that division. I understand Cam Newton is playing great, and it has been so much fun watching Cam Newton play good. It's been interesting. Uh, it's weird to see Bill Belichick and Cam Newton um, teaming up on people, but it's been a lot of fun. And I understand, yes, it's the Patriots, but the Bills, I think, are playing unbelievably well right now. And I still have them winning that division and I it's I'm I'm pretty pretty darn confident in it. What about you, Bo? Are you still pretty confident in that or a hundred percent? 
I think they're just playing too good. Not they're, to win. they're a better football team. And I think if they're going to beat the bills, if the Patriots beat the bills, they're going to beat them the same way they beat the Raiders, which is Cam Newton throws the ball very little and they control the time of possession and keep the ball out of Allen's hands. Cause yeah. if you give Allen time of possession and more time, you're going to lose. I mean, when they were going for that game winning drive, I think just the throws and the decisions that Allen was making mm. showed so much more maturity. It showed a step up from last year. Absolutely. I mean, he, he has grown as a passer. Some of those, I mean, the decision-making, just those throws in general, man, they were, they were fantastic plays. And I think if you had a lot of other quarterbacks in that game with the Bills, they would not be winning that game. I agree. Absolutely. 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 And, like, when you talk about his taking a step, the poise, like you mentioned, is, is the step. You know what I mean? It's it's the ability. It's to know that you're not that your team is not playing the best game, and you just stick it out. If you look at the box score, they had seven points in the first, fourteen in the second, seven seven. So they just made sure let's just stay the course, be consistent, and just put a touchdown up when we can, and we're still going to win games. If they do that every week. They're going to be fine. And and like that takes a calm. That takes a certain calming sense i mean especially when you're being when you're outscored in the second half it might seem like the game's getting away from you but it didn't (laughs) you know they stuck it out and that's what that's what the maturity and the step that you mentioned it is i think i think it's the it is decision making too but i think the poise that you talked about is for me that's the step i think that he's really taking yeah i mean you know no one circles the wagons like the buffalo bills bro McDermott is the man. You know, I want you know what I want that to be changed. I want that statement right. to be changed. I want it to be changed to no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Allens. <laughs> they are the Buffalo Allens. I'll tell you that. Write that down. That's one of my best ones, man. I'm happy with that. That's it. I like that it. That was right off the top of the dome. You so better I, send it to the team. Yeah. You know what? That could be their new slogan. Could, yeah. Could definitely be their new slogan, man. One of the the last takeaways from me, the Falcons are the best choke artists in the NFL. They just are. I can't think of a better one. The Falcons have now given up two massive leads in back-to-back weeks. I mean, this is just bad. In week two, Bo, they led the Cowboys 39-24 to with five minutes left in the fourth quarter and had a 99.9% win probability they lost. In week three, they led the Chicago Bears 26-10 to with six minutes left and had a 99.6% win probability they lost. Now, this is something I found out earlier, and I want to tell you this number, Bo. The odds of a team hitting on a 0.1% chance of losing and then a 0.7% chance of losing are 0.0007%. In other words, that is 1 in 140,000. It's nearly impossible. (laughs) Nearly impossible. That is per Roger Sherman from The Ringer. So thank you, Roger, for that awesome stat. Um they also did this. They also lost this game, Bo, on their owner's birthday. Happy late birthday. Yeah, also. yeah. Happy belated, choked. bud. Your team <laughs> just choked. What do you think the problem is here, Bo? What, what, do you, what is the problem? Why is this such a tradition that the Falcons like to uphold? Well, I think late round, I mean, late game defensive discipline has always been their issue. Uh, lack of a lack of a late game pass rush that wears down an offensive line has been a problem since they went to the Super Bowl. Uh, they have, I mean, it, I think Fowler has been okay, mm-hmm. but he ha- he's not enough. No, he's not. It, enough. He's he's not enough. And 
the schematics. They're not drawing up enough success, getting free rushers and stuff like that. Uh, you can you can draw up blitzes where a guy can run free if you're good enough at your job. Uh, yeah. I don't think they're having virtually none of that. Uh, their guys are not good in man coverage. And like we talked about earlier, zone coverage allows for more breakdowns than man, in my opinion. There's so much more discipline involved in zone coverage. Knowing where you're sitting in space is so important. And that's hard to ask six different DBs or five, you know, five DBs to know exactly where they're at at all times in deep zone coverage. And yep. I mean, in late in the game, when you're down, we every single week when you're trying to like stop a team from coming back on you, it's just so much pressure. You know, and they're not, they're also not doing a good enough, a good enough job chewing up clock late in games. The run, the run game is just, it's not good enough, you know, and, and I'll return this to you that, you know, you can tell me what you think the problem is, but I want you to answer this question too when I return it to you. Do you think this is the best available head coaching job if they let Dan Quinn go for a, a, a hopeful head coach next year? I think it is absolutely the most appealing head coach job. The Falcons have great pieces, man, at least on offense. And I think they have solid pieces on defense, right? But I think, I mean, you look at the other guys that are probably losing their job. Matt Nagy in Chicago, right? I think we've, we've both seen this coming, but we've talked mm-hmm. many a times that Nagy's gone. Nagy is gone. Yeah. Um, Nick, Nick Foles can't help Nagy at this point. Mm-hmm. No. Um, you know, Adam Gase is gone. Um, Dan Quinn this is probably it, even though I have a lot. I love Dan Quinn. I really, yeah. really like Dan Quinn. He has been – he is a, a, a good coach. Um, I just think it's time for a change. My thing is, I would love now, – now, hear me elbow um, – some Eric Bieniemy in Atlanta. Yeah. I would love that. And you got to wonder, that. I heard that he does not do the play calling in KC. Yeah, he doesn't. Um, but I firmly believe that with the help of Matt Ryan, knowing the strength of his offense, that that would not be a problem. Yeah, I don't think it would be that big of a problem. It'd be a much bigger problem if he went to the Jets or, mm-hmm. or the Bears, you know? Where, where um, play calling would be such a big deal. Yeah, and you know, so I would say to answer your question and not go on a tangent here, I think definitely the Falcons are probably the most appealing NFL coaching job if Dan Quinn is in fact – you know, let go. And Which we're, go. I think we're both expecting that. We are, we both are expecting that. And again, it has nothing to do. I mean, Dan Quinn pretty much has gotten as close as you can possibly get to a Super Bowl ring. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. Dan Quinn is, is as good close coach. as it gets. He was up twenty five points in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So I mean, you know, <laughs> as close as it gets. I'm not trying. Shade, but that's. I mean, Jacob. <laughs> Oh, man. As hard as as hard as it's making people believe we're not throwing shade right now while we're laughing and chuckling. But no, again, Dan Quinn is a good head coach. He he has been a good head coach. And for the better part of the whole time he's been coaching the Falcons, they have been competitive. So again, I just think it's time for a change. Bo, on something else you touched on, the whole thing with Dante Fowler, I thought it was hilarious. You know, obviously the Falcons lost Vic Beasley, you know, and that was pretty much their main pass rusher, especially when he was a rookie, right? And then all of a sudden he just started not doing as well anymore. So kind of started falling down a cliff a little bit. But I think it's funny that they thought, you know, we've got Grady Jarrett, but our pass rush still isn't good enough. You know what we do? You know what we need, Bo? We need Dante Fowler. <laughs> You know, I think it's so funny that Dante Fowler was apparently this type, this, this, the answer. You know, 
the this band-aid that would just help the pass rush. Like Dante Fowler's a good player, but he's not gonna come in and make that kind of impact. He he just isn't. And Bo talking about, you know, you said that they don't have the they haven't been chewing clock, right? Because the running right. game isn't good enough. Well, think about it. The the one guy in the offense or in the running back room that is even capable of chewing the clock, really, is Todd Gurley, who is pretty much on a snap count because of his knee. And even though they came out earlier in the year and said that that was not a problem. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure and it's not. And here we are. Yeah, I'm sure it's not a problem. But And by the <laughs> way, Gurley has played. Oh, right. It's, it's been kind of weird to me that they haven't targeted him in the receiving game as much, seeing as how successful he was in, in L.A. Um, with that. But I, I don't know. You know, that's not something I'm really trying to talk about. But I think, you know, Brian Hill isn't the guy. Brian Hill isn't the guy that's going to chew clock, you know. So I agree with you, Bo. I also think, like, I, I don't know, man. It's The Falcons have so much firepower. I think they have a major issue with, st- you know, taking their foot off the gas. They have a major, major issue with that. It's an overwhelming issue. I'm going to be completely honest with you. It's a lot of things. It's an overwhelming issue in coaching, play calling, defense. Um, and again, Focus. just the, the overall ability to keep your foot on the gas. I mean, how do you do this in back-to-back weeks? And I'm not taking anything away from you know what the Bears did because they did some good things to win that football game. right? But this should not happen. It should not happen back-to-back weeks. I mean, it no. shouldn't happen at all. But things happen, but not back to back weeks. I mean, this is just a this is a problem. Yeah, they, this is they a got problem. they got beat in time of possession by nine minutes and and mm-hmm. and had six rushing first downs. That yeah. is not gonna get it done. It, it's bad, man. It's bad. Uh hopefully the Falcons can figure something out. But again, I do think it's it's the Dan Quinn era is coming to an end. Uh Bo, I want to talk about Carson Wentz real quick. Um the, I'm not saying this is what needs to happen. But I have a question for you, Bo. Okay. What are the odds we see Hurt start a game this year for the Eagles? Man, no injuries happening. And it's, to oh, yeah, Wentz. okay, and it's not because of an injury to Wentz. What? what uh, to be a honest healthy with you, Carson I think Wentz zero. What's the odds. Okay, all right, I respect that. That's because he's done enough to where they owe him a chance. Okay, I respect that. I and, believe, and he's not working with a healthy team, dude. No, no, he's not. He never has. When has he ever had a healthy team? Never. But again, you know, I'm not saying that it won't happen after this year or something or, you know, whatever. Good night won't happen. It could happen next year. But I think they have too much respect for wins. I mean, to say to say no, and they should. They should. They wouldn't have gotten that Super Bowl if Wentz hadn't played that regular season. And I will say that with full confidence. Yeah, I agree. Here's a bad number. And this is something I just found out. And it was kind of it took me by surprise. Carson Wentz. In 59 career games, 59, though, has 51 fumbles and 40 interceptions. Jesus. That's a lot. That, a that's lot. that's a bad number. Um, in 2020, guys, he's already had six interceptions. He has a 58% completion percentage, um, the worst passing grade in the NFL. He's been sacked 11 times and hasn't won a game. Which is bad. And again, it's not anything I, I'm saying against Wentz. I've told you, when Wentz is playing Wentz football, he's a top five quarterback. Yeah. He, he is. He just is. I just don't know. Wentz doesn't have the pieces he needs to be successful. Mm-mm. He doesn't. No, not at all. No. Okay, you got Deshaun Jackson? Yeah, well, he's barely on the field because of soft tissue injuries. You know? Alshon Jeffrey? Well, yeah, he was good four years ago. They have three injury-prone receivers. They do. And and their best and receivers are two are two tight ends. 
And Goddard's hurt. And now Goddard's hurt. Yeah. It, it's really bad. I think Wentz deserves more credit. Now, obviously, those numbers aren't good. And, you know, you can't help bad decision-making. I mean, that's all Wentz. But I don't think a lot of it's his fault. And and I think they, has they anyone to... seen the offensive line? Because they're all missing. Oh, it, oh, the starters horrible. are missing. I don't know where they are. I, I don't they're, know what's going on. I think they're going to have to make some pretty tough decisions. They are. Uh, pretty soon. And I mean, they're going to have to. And I think Doug Peterson is the right guy to help them, even if it, it takes a rebuild. But I don't think flipping over a coaching staff is going to make your team rebuild any easier. So yeah. keep Doug Peterson. He's a good coach. You got he won a Super Bowl there. Keep him and just revamp this offensive line. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If if you have to, I mean they've got a lot of money tied up in Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson and now Jason Peters. But Jason Peters is not a staple for for years to come. And if Brandon Brooks comes back next year and drops again for an entire year, you're going to have to make a decision. You cannot you keep are. coming. You cannot keep overpaying a guy who's on the field, especially at a position where durability is crucial. I'm still one of the biggest advocates that Carson Wentz uh, should have an MVP right now. I think when, he should have. The, 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 the year he tore his ACL, year, he, the way yeah, year he tore his ACL exactly. in week twelve. I yeah, think he I mean, had such, such a big lead on that though. I I honestly thought they were still been the only it. year. No, that's what I'm saying. That year, I think I mean, he was just, easily, easily. I mean, he had a firm you, grip on it. Can you give a guy an MVP with 12 weeks I, under his belt? I don't think you yeah, can. Yeah, I don't know. No, you probably can't. You probably can't. I'm not saying that he should have gotten it, but I'm yeah. saying, which is exactly what I just said, not to confuse anybody, um, but that's not exactly what I meant. I think Carson Wentz, if the knee injury hadn't happened, he'd be an MVP. He'd have an MVP under his belt right now. True. Right. I and I think that. he doesn't have that hardwood. So people are like, okay, well, what's who going won on? Who won it Carson that year? Wentz? I can't remember. I can't remember who won that year, Bo. Um, who did win that year? Now, you, now you're going to make me end up looking why it up. Blanking? Why are we blanking so hard? I don't know why we are blanking so hard on that. I, I can't remember, man. I cannot remember. I think, you know, people are just really doubting Carson Wentz right now. And I understand, like, he has not played well. But keep the faith in Carson Wentz. This guy is is a really good quarterback talent, and uh, I think he's definitely going to turn it around. I mean, it's only week three. I mean, Bo held the, the Eagles can end up winning their division, you know, and end up being the playoffs. So let's just let's just give it time. But I, I do think I did want to ask you that question, Bo, about Jalen Hurts and if he would see see a um, get a start in the game. But again, I don't think he should. I mean, you can, I don't see how we can base it off some well designed, drawn up run plays. You know, I don't see yeah. how he's he hasn't come in uh, when Carson Wentz's helmet gets ripped off and he gets a good play and he turns a play action pass into a 30 yard gain. I mean, we haven't seen him do something like that, you know, but all they've done is really well designed run plays that get six, eight yards. Yeah. So it's hard to really base like, is this guy worth benching off of? And there was mm-hmm. no preseason. See, this is where preseason would come in. If if Jalen Hurts played four games of the preseason and he lit it up, we would be having this conversation. Yeah, we would. Like we would. It would we're having it now, but we'd be really having this conversation. And I think what's a crazy is even if he lit up the preseason, Carson Wentz is so good that even if we were having that conversation, it wouldn't feel like a serious one. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's how good Carson Wentz is. To even fathom another quarterback starting when Wentz is healthy, I mean, that's just you. You don't even. That's not even something that would and that would happen. You know. Excuse me. You all right? (laughs) Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, but 
I do want to talk about, we just talked about MVP a little bit. So, Bo, let's do our updated uh, MVP rankings, man. And I've had quite a few changes, quite a few changes in mine, uh, man, uh, after week three. Um, I'll go ahead and do mine real quick. I'll start at number five. Uh, number five is Lamar Jackson. Um, again, he is more now. Monday Night Football, he did not have a game that everyone, you know, thought Lamar Jackson would have tonight. But um, he's still Lamar Jackson. He's going to make plays all year, and I think he will firmly be in the MVP race all year long. Number four is Patrick Mahomes after what he did to the Ravens tonight um, and what he's done this season. And again, just being Patrick Mahomes, just having that name puts you in the race. Um, he's my number four right now. Number three, Bo, is Aaron Rodgers because he has the Packers looking fantastic. It looks like the Packers finally lit a fire under Rodgers' ass. They, they drafted a quarterback. It's pissed him off, and he's on a um, he's a man on a mission. He's a man on a mission, and he's trying to prove something this year. So it's, it's kind of like a prove-it year right now that Rodgers is, um, is on. Number two is Josh Allenbo. He wasn't even in my MVP rankings last yes, sir. week. And he's number he two right now. Boys. Tell you what, when you when you lead a game winning drive and you have a ten to one touchdown interception ratio and your team is three and oh, I think you deserve to be in the MVP race, right? Am I right? Yeah, Absolutely. I think so. Especially think when so. your team is like probably gonna win their division and has oh, high yeah. playoff has high playoff aspirations. And I mean you're in you it. Know, if they're going to win the division, that also the Patriots are in. I mean, come on, that's that's a yeah. big deal. That's a big you're, deal. I just right? think you're you're biased if you don't think he's not an MVP candidate. Oh, you just don't like years. Josh Allen. You just don't like Josh Allen. If that's exactly. Um, number one for me is Russell Wilson, and and it's going to take a lot, uh, for somebody to change my mind on this, or it's going to take Russell Wilson's play to get a lot worse because Russell Wilson has a firm hold on it right now, um, and I think Josh Allen has a firm hold on number two right now. Honestly, I think there's as old as you can have in week three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just the way these guys are playing right now is 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 unbelievable, and it's a lot of fun to watch, and it's it's exciting, you know. So I think Russell Wilson is definitely my number one, but Josh Allen has shot up, and Kyler Murray has dropped out for me, Bo. He's not in my rankings. Now I thought I'd come to you, Bo, and say that I'm sorry if I was a little hard on you with the you, um, the Kyler Murray stuff, <laughs> but but the reason he dropped out is because. If you're that talented, you know, you're setting yourself apart. You gotta you take beat the Lions. Extra, you gotta beat the Lions. You gotta torch the Lions. Come you can't on. throw three interceptions. Come you can't on. do it. You cannot do it. By the yeah. way, though, shout out to Jeff Okuda for getting his first career interception. He's gonna be a fantastic cornerback. What, what did he run into? He ran into a he ran into isn't Matt Patricia a DC at heart? Yep. He yeah. He ran into a defensive guru and got and got shut down. And he did. And I mean, I'm not saying. I mean, I did say he won't ever be the MVP, but, but, it could happen one day. He's definitely got the arm talent and the footwork for it. You know, he makes people miss when he's running to, you know, he could definitely put up all the yardage. But he's still so early, and he has still just so much to prove before we can before we can put him with. I mean, the the five guys you just named are are other than Josh Allen. Four out of the five, because people will still have questions about Josh Allen right now. Yeah, four out are, of five are, top, are, top are elite. Are elite. Yeah. If you said the top five quarterbacks, if anyone, if ninety-five percent of people listed their top five quarterbacks, four of those guys that I just uh, mentioned are going to be in. We'll it. be on everybody's list. Yep. Who names a list. Exactly. And five, in three three years from now, Josh Allen could be on there too. My top five is exactly the same as yours, except. Josh Allen is more towards the fourth spot because I want to see how far 
he can take this thing. He's having a good first few weeks. I want to see consistency. We've seen Russell Wilson's Aaron Rodgers, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, and Lamar all put together consistent seasons as quarterbacks in the NFL of, of big numbers, lots of wins, playoff hopes, Super Bowl hopes, Super Bowl wins, for everyone but for the three of those five, you know, Mahomes, Rodgers, and Wilson all have rings. We have seen them finish a season. We have not seen Josh Allen finish a season on a, on a, on a high note with an MVP. Uh, I mean, Lamar already has an MVP. So these are all easy names. I think I just want to see Josh Allen be consistent. He's my favorite guy to watch out of those five right now. I've just been so, since the day he hit the league, I've just loved watching his game. Because it does remind me so much of what I grew up watching in Big Ben, but probably better than Big Ben at this age, yeah. to be honest. You know, if he had if he had Big Ben's defense in those years, he'd win the Super Bowls. Big Ben won too, probably. You know, and that's he's he's got amazing talent. But my my, my top five is the same. I mean, it 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 runs. I, I don't even remember if I put it in order, but it's Lamar, Josh Allen, Mahomes, Rogers, Wilson. I mean, yeah. that's, 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 it's who hard it is. not to have, you know, it, we're going to have similar stuff again. It's only been three weeks. Um, it's going to be clear similar. cut. It's, it's it, clear. It is pretty clear it's cut. Number sand. one is easy. Number one is easy at this point. You know, mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is playing, you know, he's definitely in the, in the top three yeah, right he's, now. He's, he's playing fantastic. Probably two. Yeah. I mean, I love your rankings, man. And again, I, I'm happy to say that Josh Allen is in mine. And he, for, you know, fully deserves it. I'm happy to say that mine hadn't changed in the second week. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Well, I can't say that, Bo. Kyler upset me this weekend. And I'll tell you what, Jacob, I'm, I hate to break it to you. I'm, I'm getting you on a few things these last few you weeks. Have, you have been. I, I, <laughs> and, and you need to to be credited for so. so yes, sir. I, I, I give you, you. All, I appreciate all that. the credit. Um, guys, now we're going to jump into to some NCAA talk. Um, there were a lot of great games this past weekend, Bo. It was an awesome Saturday of watching college football. But oh, first good. and foremost... First and foremost, let Bo and myself invite you onto the Kyle Trask hype train. Okay, guys, <laughs> Bo will punch your tickets for you. I'll, I am your conductor today, so sit back, relax, and just I'm enjoy. An, I'm answering the phones. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this is the yeah. Kyle Trask hotline. How may we help you? <laughs> oh man, Kyle Trask put on an absolute clinic, guys, on Saturday by throwing for 416 yards, six touchdowns against Ole Miss, and led them on to win 51 to 35. Bo. That Florida offense is firing on all cylinders right now. And I'm going to be honest, as a diehard Georgia fan, I'm a little bit nervous because the Gators look good. They look really good. Like, you know, the East crown, like taking the East from the Bulldogs. They look that good right now. And as hard as that is for me to say, my mouth is on fire right now. It's burning. It's burning. burning. I mean every bit of it. I mean, every bit of it. Before the season got started, I had Trask as my fourth-ranked quarterback in the upcoming draft, and I don't see that changing if he continues to play like this. I really don't. I really don't. Right now, it's it's Lawrence, Fields, Trask, like Lance. 404-plus TDs every week from here on out. He's going to be higher than fourth pick, fourth quarterback taken. Yeah, well, I, and I just said my list wrong. Right now, it's Lawrence, Fields, Lance, Trask. I can easily see Trey Lance is, is kind of getting the bad end of the stick here because Trey Lance isn't getting to play football. Mm-hmm. Right. Trask can move his name over Lance's at this point, but come to number three. I don't see him going any higher than three because I think Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence have, have made their names um, big enough to where those are the top two guys. 
But I do think Trask can overtake Lance since Lance isn't getting the ability to show what he's able to do this year. Um, and, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Bo. Trask just put the NFL scouts on notice. He's everything you look for in a franchise quarterback. He's, I believe, six foot five, 240 pounds, has a good arm, shows poise, good decision-making ability. Um, he just has a smoothness about him, Bo, that's, that's really contagious. And, you know, while we're talking about putting scouts on notice, Florida tight end Kyle Pitts – had a massive day, Huge um, and, day. and it's making his case to be tight end number one in the 2021 draft. Uh, Kyle Pitts had eight receptions for 170 yards and four touchdowns versus Ole Miss. A long of 71 yards yeah, at I mean, tight end. This guy what? is balling. What? This guy is absolutely balling. Um, and before the season, I had Pitts as my second-ranked tight end in the upcoming draft, but, man, does it look like he can move That's up. That's the both. longest play of the day by your tight end. Whew. Crazy. Man, they look good. Bro, I've been waiting to if, talk about this. If Ole Miss didn't have a guy go for 227 yards in the air, I'd be we'd be really talking about Pitts. You know, it's still early, though. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see. It's only been one game for Florida, mm-hmm. right? But, man, they look good. That team is so well put together. That offense is rolling. Kyle Trask, it looks like, I mean, from the first, first game, I mean, it looks like this guy's taking the step. He's taking a step from year to year. And man, does he look good. He looks like a, a amazing prospect for the upcoming draft. So I can't wait for the year to be over. And um, watch, well, I can't wait because I want to watch, I want to take it all in. I want to take in all this college football, but <laughs> I can't wait to dive into his film, man, because man, is it going to be fun to watch. Um, Bo, I want to talk about Miami, the Miami Hurricanes, man. Um, they're looking like a threat in the ACC. And I'm going to tell you who has them looking that way De'Eric King. De'Eric Killed King. It has come from Houston, right? Well, he struggled. People were saying, you know, what is the deal with De'Ara King? Is he really that good? Is he not? You know, he's a really small guy, you know. And even though he's a small guy, though, he is making a massive impact um, for Miami. Miami ran Florida State out of the building Saturday, beating them 52-10. to De'Eric King finished with 260 yards and two touchdowns through the air and ran the ball eight times for 65 yards on the ground. Um I'm going to tell you something else, too, Bo. That Canes defense was all over the place with six sacks and three interceptions. And they don't even have their best player, Gregory Rosell, who opted out of the season. That game would have been would have been a shutout with him on the field. I mean, imagine. Imagine if they had Rosell out there playing. Yeah. Shutout. <laughs> it's 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 very, very yeah. um, RIP to Florida State to Florida State's football program. I mean, rest in peace. You know, it's sad. Man. Florida State has not been a good program since DeAndre Francois and Derwin James were there. It hadn't been a good program since Jameis Winston was there. I remember the year that I picked Florida State. I thought Florida State was going to win it all, man. And they opened up the season against Alabama and just got crushed. Again, though, I remember that game. I almost wanted to cry because in that game, DeAndre Francois rolled out to the right, got tackled, and ended up tearing his ACL. I do think Florida would have been a fantastic a team that year and would have been a, a championship contender if that hadn't happened. I think the ACC benefits so much when Miami, them and Clemson and are just all good. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're in that, they're in that market down there where it's football crazy and they need to be good. And it's not like Miami just beat up on Florida state. And I'm saying this Miami, the week before beat Louisville, Louisville's a good team. Louisville is a, is a good, good team and a well-coached team. I mean, all I'm saying though is, through three games, it looks like Clemson might have its first honest competition for the ACC crown in a while. I mean, this Miami team is way better than the UVA team that played Clemson oh, last year in the championship. I, I, there's not, there's no comparison. 
Yeah, There's way no better. Comparison. Way better. I, I think it is going to be now, Bo. I, I you know, I I would love to sit here and tell you that your UNC Tar Heels are are on the level these two teams are, but they're not. I mean, Miami, Miami is playing lights out. They just oh, I think. I mean, if you if you had to bet today, if I was a betting man and I put down money today for who was going to be in the ACC championship, it's Miami and Clemson. Yeah, oh yeah, I, I think that's my pick right now. I mean, I hate to say that. I mean, I I think Carolina is going to put up a fight, but they're coming out of the same co- the coastal Miami's in, correct? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think that's going to be a god. This going to be tough. I'd really like to see Carolina be in that game, uh, but Miami just might be more complete team across the board. Yeah, I think Miami and the Tar Heels can be good on defense, but Miami on defense right now is just something different. And again, I mean. If they had, you know, Roselle playing right now, it would be unbelievable. But, you know, th- to say they are this good defensively without Roselle, th- that is something, that is a big statement. I mean, Miami is making a huge statement to the ACC saying, you know, we're going to be just fine without this guy. You know, if you if yeah. you think you can stand up here with us, then then prove it. Miami is Miami's making a statement, man, and, and I'm all for it. Um, and then one of the last things that you know I took away from this past Saturday in the NCAA bow was it looks like LSU is dealing with a championship hangover. I think well, there's just so much turnover in their team. It has been. It has been a lot of turnover. Yeah. Um, but I do think it looks like they may still be thinking about last season a little bit. LSU guys ended up getting upset by unranked Mississippi State Saturday, forty-four to thirty-four at home. And like, like you just said, Bo, it's a lot of turnover, right? Obviously, losing Joe Burrow was huge, not to mention they lost Justin Jefferson, Clyde edwards Lair, most of their offensive line, and half of their defense to the draft. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I'm sure most of them got used to coasting to wins. Yeah, they did. I mean, they, they did. Mm. You know, and I think that's why they got caught off guard a little bit. And, you know, I just named all these players they're playing without. You know, on top of all of that, their best player, wide receiver Jamar Chase, opted out before the season got started. Man, and that hurts big time. It hurts. It, I mean, Jamar Chase is the best receiver in the upcoming draft. Terrence I mean, that's Marshall. A huge piece out yeah, there. Terrence oh. Marshall had a good game. But oh, Terrence Marshall had some drops. He did have some drops. But man, did he ball out. He, he could have had more like 150 or 60 if he had caught every ball. He's a good receiver, man. Yeah. I love Marshall a lot. Um, but let's talk about a guy that had an unbelievable game against LSU. And that is Mississippi State quarterback K.J. Costello. Bo, Costello's stat line on the day was 36 of 60 for 623 yards, five touchdowns, and two interceptions. 623 yards in one game. He broke the SEC record for passing yards in a game against the team that just won the national championship. Maybe not the same team, but again, impressive. impressive. And and shout out to uh, Roy Countryman. That's That's his guy. Oh, yeah. Roy is a massive Costello fan. That's his guy. And oh, I was like, man. got a shout out to Roy on that. Oh, man. I, I wish Roy was on this episode right now. He'd be oh, freaking man. out. He'd oh, he would out. be freaking out. I love I it. Mean, man. I love it's it. LSU ran into a hungry KJ Costello in the Mississippi State Bulldogs. I mean, that's what happened. He was, he came out there firing. I mean, they let him throw 60 times because it was working. Yeah, it was working. It, it, was, it was working. And now I, I do think Mississippi State has shot way up the rankings now. I say we let's hold up a little bit. Let's not be jumping the gun here. Yes, they just had an impressive win, but let's let's temper expectations on Mississippi State. Oh, easily, think, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it, let's not let's not jump they the had, gun. They had nine rushing yards, Jacob. 
Yeah. Yeah. So let's not negative, jump the gun. Yeah. They had a negative 38 yards rushing from their quarterback and it made yeah. it, it gave them nine total yards of rushing. I mean, you're not going to get away with 60 pass attempts and 600, 600 yards on everybody. I mean, Florida will pick it three or four times, not two times. So you're right. Tempering expectations yeah. is right. And, you know, again, I'm happy for Roy. Like, I'm so glad you brought that up uh, because Roy Roy is a massive, massive uh, fan of Costello. And I'm going to say this. Costello was already a solid quarterback prospect at Stanford. But if he can continue to play this well against SEC defenses now, his draft stock's going to be pointing up. Because you, we, were watching him, we were watching him do this at Stanford against Pac-12 defenses. And now you're just telling me in his first game against the SEC defense, he just threw yeah. for 630 yards? I mean, come on. That's impressive, man. That is, that is impressive. I love it. Hopefully, hopefully, Bo, that is exactly what JT Daniels will do for my Bulldogs. Not saying he's going to, and I don't, yeah. think, I don't think he's going to. But, man, would it be great to watch JT Daniels do that this week, especially against, against the uh, Auburn Tigers. Yeah, but, it's a big game for you. Oh, it's a big game, man. It's a big game for Georgia. All these games, but, you know, for, for all these teams in the SEC, you know, every game's more important this year because of the yeah, short schedule. Yeah, it's all you get. It's all you get, All man. you get is conference. Are, they are in conference play right now. Yeah. Everything, everything is more important this there, year. There and is I, no warm-ups. And I think me and you have talked about a lot. The playoff committee is going to have a hard time figuring out who should be in. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, if, if with two one-loss teams, it's going to be hard to figure it out. It's going to be really hard for them to to figure it out, and then when they do figure it out, explain why. It's going to be uh, – they're going to come under a lot of controversy this year. I can promise you that. Yeah, I mean, it's like Oklahoma walking into Kansas State and losing to Kansas State. You oh, know, man, I mean, but Spencer Rattler's going to be something special. It's it's it, He is, and it, but it's just going to – it just adds more – adds another layer of, of decision making to the NCAA the, the playoff committee you know mm-hmm. you got these these games that were they'd ha- they'd be playing like you know Oklahoma would play UTL Paso or something you know week one not Kansas State you know what I mean yep. and then they run into a conference opponent who's seen them before and they outplay them week one you know because they're just ready mm-hmm. you know that that stuff is they're gonna have to temper those I guess the expectations of those teams early on because they're not getting, it's like the NFL teams without the preseason. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just weird stuff is happening to these teams. You know, and, and talking about Spencer Rattler, Bo, you know, we might as well, you know, might as well just go ahead and chalk it up and say he'll be in the Heisman race or either he's going to win it. Um, and he'll a be name, making with a name like that. He'll be well, all Spencer over. Rattler, I mean, with a coach like that, it's more what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. Baker Mayfield wins the Heisman with Lincoln Riley. Kyler Murray wins the Heisman with Lika Riley. Jalen Hurts is a top three finalist for the Heisman Trophy. I mean, Spencer Rattler might as well just already have a suit for the uh, Heisman ceremony. He should just go ahead and get his get his tux ahead of time. Save some money. Get your tux ahead of time because I can almost promise you that Spencer Rattler with Lincoln Riley will be in the Heisman Trophy ceremony at some point in the next two years. Next three years, excuse me. Because that's just like what Lincoln Riley does. He makes extremely productive and successful quarterbacks at Oklahoma. That's yeah. what he does best. It really is. And with a guy that's as talented as Spencer Rattler, and this guy's really talented. I'm not saying it because he's an Oklahoma quarterback. That's not what I'm saying. Spencer Rattler is a really, really good quarterback, and it is going to be a lot of fun watching him at Oklahoma. Well, I-, I can't wait. The system's teaching him a lot. You know what I mean? 
It is. It's not all because of the, in college, your coach, it's the coach's job to put you in a successful system to learn what it's to be a pro and to lead an offense and all that stuff. I mean, that that's his job. So, I mean, it's not, I, th- I don't think it's, you know, having Lincoln Riley is any, any knock on him or anything. I just think, you know, he's going he's gonna to get better as the season goes. And I don't think you're going to see him throw a lot of three interception games either. No, Do, you're not. You know? you're I mean, that's, a, that's kind of a fluke. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I do think that's going to be a fluke. That will be a fluke when we look back at I it. I bet you don't see another three-pick game from him the rest of the season. I'd be shocked. I'll bet you don't either. I, I, I would bet I would bet a solid amount of money that you don't yeah. see another I mean, that's. I mean, though. two for them, two for, <laughs> for Oklahoma is just over the top. Like, I mean, I'm yep. sure Lincoln Riley is going to just bring that down completely. Yep. I agree with you, man. Um, guys, I want to talk about some big-name players that are opting back in. Bo, last week we were literally talking about players that that possibly would try to opt back in, and now it's happening, Bo. Now it is happening. Um, guys, Ohio State cornerback Sean Wade and Ohio State guard Wyatt Davis now are both expected to play in the fall with the Buckeyes. Um, now, remember on last week's episode, I said that I would have Ohio State as my number one seed if the players that opted out came back to play, and well, it looks like that is happening. So I fully expect Ohio State to be in the playoff and be the number one team out of the four. That is what I expect. Um, Michigan offensive tackle Jalen Mayfield is trying to return as well, but listen to this, Bo. He has already signed with an agent. Now, the NCAA rules say that you are no longer eligible to play after you sign with an agent, but since the Big Ten said they weren't going to play, and then went back on their statement, and they are coming back to play, Mayfield should be allowed to come back and should be granted a waiver. Okay, that's looking like what's going to happen. Okay, the NCAA is not holding it as much against Mayfield because he just did this pretty much because the team said, yeah, we're not playing this year. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now it comes out and they are going to play, and he's like, okay, well, you know, th- it seems like they're going to help him out and allow him to play. Bo. You know I love this guy. Purdue wide receiver Rondell Moore, who originally mm-hmm. opted out of this season, uh, has now opted back in to come back and play for the Boilermakers this season. I'm glad um, they're letting them opt back in. Oh, it's great, isn't it? It's it's yeah. it's it's I awesome. Guess we, we were wrong about that. I think we, we, we were thought they weren't. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, cr- kudos to the NCAA for doing that. You know, we didn't give the NCAA really any credit. We just figured, you know, Bo was strong when he said it. You know, that the NCAA really doesn't do right by the players. So I'm no. happy to see the NCAA doing this and allowing these guys to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Rondell Moore, guys, Moore is my favorite wide receiver in this wide receiver class and is currently my third-ranked wide receiver for the 2021 draft. Um, I'm so happy about Moore coming back in, Bo. I love watching this guy play football. Um, another big-time playmaker at wide receiver is trying to come back as well, but this, again, might be a little bit more complicated. Uh, Minnesota wide receiver Rashad Bateman is currently trying to opt back in, but he has also already signed it with an agent. So um, he's going to have to be granted a waiver as well. But rise of right now, Bateman is currently my ninth-ranked receiver for the upcoming draft. Um, so a lot of talented guys, Bo, coming back, and it looks like they're going to come make a comeback and play this season in college football, which makes this season even more exciting. And I mean, you know what I, mean? They, I think they should all be looking at dollar signs when they do it. Oh, yeah. They because they, they, they need that draft stock. Yeah, they absolutely should be. I'm just happy, you know, that changes Purdue's whole offense with Rondell Moore coming back. It makes Minnesota even more lethal that Rashad Bateman's coming back. You know, these these are these are really good players, really, really good players. And think about it, Bo. Ohio State was going to be missing its number one cornerback and its number one interior offensive lineman, and now it's getting them both back. Oh, yeah. It's huge, it's huge man. 
There's gonna, I mean, you're talking about that, that fourth <laughs> spot being up in the air. Yep. yep. They're going to be one of the teams fighting. Let me ask you a question right now. If if you were to say that, okay, so you said earlier, obviously the fourth spot can be some controversy and be up in the air for the college football playoff. Right now, though, would you have Florida as your four? After what I watched this week? Yeah. Okay. I would agree with you. I'd have, I'd have Florida as my four right now. At this point, after Oklahoma lost to Kansas State, I don't think Oklahoma makes it anymore. I yeah, think, I mean, it, with the amount of games they have to play this season, I believe you. I don't, I think, I don't think Oklahoma that would, Oklahoma lost its playoff um, ability right there. So I think, you know, as of right now, if I had to pick four teams right now off of what I've seen from them, it's going to be Alabama. Even though I'm not a massive fan of Mac Jones, but it's going to be Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Florida right now. It's hard as a Georgia fan to say that, guys, but. You know, I'm not here to lie to you. I'm here to tell you the truth about what I think, and I see Florida getting in over Georgia for sure. Florida Florida is on a different level right now. Again, it's only been one week, but from what I've seen in one week. Yeah, we'll see what they run into the rest of conference play. Oh, yeah. But. It's, it's going to be a fun year, man. You know, Georgia versus Florida is a massive game. This weekend, Georgia versus Auburn is a massive game. Georgia versus Alabama, Alabama versus Auburn. These are all huge games. You know, and they're going to mean a lot. Like I said, they mean more than they normally would in a, in a normal season. So, so it's going to be a, a, a lot of fun. Uh, but, guys, that is it for this show. As always, go follow Blitzalytics on Twitter at Blitzalytics and visit Blitzalytics.com. Go to the Members tab, find Jacob Patterson, and check out the articles and the scouting reports that I have written. Bo, let them know where to find you, man. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, capital T-S-R, lowercase B-E-A-U. It's at T-S-R Bow. Uh, and I usually post my articles on there, just talking football, a lot of Steelers stuff. Uh, you can also go to stillcurtain.com and uh, check out my Power Rankings articles. Uh, every Wednesday, I have collection articles on the NFL.com's Power Rankings for the Steelers every week. Uh, I'll have another one. Hopefully coming out uh, Wednesday morning or Wednesday afternoon. Busy work day tomorrow, so I'm going to try and write a little bit of it tonight and get it out uh, so we can get out at a decent hour uh, once I get off work tomorrow. Um, but just look forward to that every week, and uh, every click helps. Guys, please follow me on Twitter, at ScoutingLLC. I know I've slacked a little bit. I haven't been doing as many polls, and I know all these guys like doing the polls. So I'm going to get some more polls out there for you guys. Um, and also, please follow TSR on Instagram, at scouting underscore LLC. As always, remember, go subscribe, go give a review, and go TSR. Peace out, everybody.